the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, joined as always by the great Zach Reagan of A to Z Sports fame, Twitter fame. He's got a lot of people to follow him on Twitter. You should go do that too. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us here on the Big Orange Podcast. We talk everything balls every week here on the pod. And if you want to listen to that on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss any of our episodes when we drop them on Mondays. Speaking of Mondays, big announcement here. The people that are watching live already know this because they are here with us. Um, The show is shifting to 7 p.m. Eastern time on Mondays now. Uh, we had a schedule shake up there, and so we're going to be more in like prime time. So maybe more people can watch that way. We'll see. Um, but 7 p.m. Eastern time on Mondays, and you can drop in on the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Hit the like button. Hit the notification bell, yada, yada. And join us, and you can comment and literally be a part of the show. It's really, really fun. We like to go back and forth with everybody in the comments. It's a great time. So hit it up. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at ADZ Sports, ADZSports.com for the stuff Zach writes on the internet. And now, let's get to it. Zach. We're going to talk about this more in depth at the end of the show, man. But uh, just a beautiful weekend of Tennessee sports because there wasn't much Tennessee sports overall. But there was baseball and there was softball. And... I want to give a shout out to both. Again, we're going to go in depth with baseball with the crazy resurgence they had over the weekend. But baseball just smacks Vandy right across the face. And it was so fun. And then softball comes back down from, I believe, nine to three against Florida last night. Giant comeback. They win 11 to 10 right at the right at the end there. It was beautiful. What a weekend. What's up, Zach? Yeah, I think we've been conditioned to expect something bad to happen. And when with baseball, it felt like it had been happening all season. And, and like there was little hope for this to get turned around. But it truly is a new era in Tennessee athletics. I mean, the bad times don't last for very long. So if you think a, a month or two down of or baseball being down was bad, I guess, I guess we'll take that now moving forward. It really is kind of hard to believe some of the stuff that's happened in the last few years. I mean, what a time to be alive as a Tennessee fan. Uh, but it's uh, it's been a great time, and we're going to talk about everything that's happened in the last week, not just baseball, but, of course, uh, all the other news. But first, got to tell you about the great sponsors that keep this show going. Superbook Sports. There's no better place to wager on your favorite sports than Superbook Sports. Go to Superbook.com and download the app today, Superbook Sports. Rattle and snap Tennessee whiskey from Logstill Distillery. Make your own luck, just like Tennessee football's fast-paced. Rattle and snap offense with Rattle and snap Tennessee whiskey. Then Omaha Steaks. Get $30 off. Sorry, $20 off. Your order of perfectly aged steaks, juicy burgers, and decadent desserts with our promo code BALLS. That is V-O-L-S at checkout. Uh, Omaha Steaks. And finally, Farm Bureau Health Plans for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to FBHP.com slash A-T-O-Z. That is Farm Bureau Health Plans. And on today's show, it's going to be, just to give you a quick rundown, uh, we're going to talk NFL Draft. Uh, that's going to be uh, our, our topic right up top. The NFL draft, of course, is this week on Thursday. It's going to be a heck of a time because the Tennessee Volunteers 
could have one, two, three picks in the first rounds or first two rounds. We're going to talk about where we think guys might go. Kind of give you a preview there. We're going to talk recruiting. There was some recruiting news, not just for football, but also for basketball. Big, big news for basketball. And we're going to give our take on kind of the structure of the team now that Barnes has made some, some pretty nice pickups from the transfer portal. And then, as I already said, we're going to finish with some baseball. Uh, but first and foremost, with football now, we are deep into the uh, already. I mean, it's only been a week since <laughs> since the Orange White game. Got a long way to go. Oh, I, I don't know what we're going to do. But uh, I'm so excited about this football season. But it is so, so far away now. It just, I mean, what is it? April 24th. That means we have uh, a little over long. four months. I don't want to talk about it until we have football back, but hopefully baseball. This is my hope baseball that this is the flip that baseball makes the resurgence. We can actually have like good things to watch for a few months. Maybe we'll actually get, get what we want there and have some stuff to talk about a little deeper into the, po- the uh, postseason here. We'll see. Uh, but going from there, football, the NFL draft Thursday, I'll throw it to you, Zach, because you've, <laughs> You texted me today and you said, I have written so much about this that I am ready for the NFL draft to be over. So you know what you're talking about as far as well, this goes. I mean, uh, maybe I know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure anybody knows what they're talking about when it comes to the draft. In fact, you I saw are the quote. preeminent expert and anything you say people should take as Bible. <laughs> Is that correct? Zach? <laughs> uh, no comment on that. But if, uh, if you are wrong, you will be excoriated on this show. We will shame you. Well, that's uh, going to happen then. Enough. Yeah, but uh, but I, I saw I saw a quote today from a uh, like a front office exec or something, and one of those anonymous quotes that says like I have no idea what's going on. I know the mock draft writers have no idea what's going on. Most NFL teams don't know what's going on. There's so much information flying back and forth. Nobody really knows what's real, what's not, what's a group think, uh, because you get a lot of these consensus tapes on some of these top prospects that's just basically repeating what the other guy the other analyst was saying and you kind of fall into that group think mentality it can be tough to really come up with your own opinion of a player I think there's a few teams out there obviously that do that really well the teams that excel in the draft but for the most part the draft is always uh, a surprise there's always a few surprises on night I think this this year's draft will be one of the crazier drafts in recent memory just because there's not a lot of consensus top players as far as, you know, the, even with the quarterbacks. I mean, we think Bryce Young's going to go number one overall to the Panthers, but that's not set in stone like it is in some years where you know a month or two before the draft who's going to be the number one pitch. So between that and teams trading up, uh, it's going to be a, a wild Thursday night and really the whole weekend, I think. It definitely is, and we're going to kind of give our – predictions as to where guys uh will go there and before we dive into that because zach i we zach has collected all of the predictions for where uh, tennessee's top guys are going to go and we're going to discuss all that right after i tell you about superbook sports make 2023 the year that you beat vegas uh superbook sports Gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms. No guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets you will find anywhere. Download the Superbook Sports app today, right now. 
or visit superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. That is superbook.com. I uh, am fairly certain you can bet on the NFL draft. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm not sure. I haven't looked on Superbook in terms of if if that is an option uh, for you. I guess uh, I could look at it now. But always tons of fun stuff uh, to go and bet on on Superbook. So go download that now. Now, Zach, let's start here. Everybody wants to know Hinden Hooker. What are their predictions for him? Because I feel like it's really been sort of all over the place. His predictions in the first round, predictions in the third round. He's, they're very concerned with the injury. They can look past the injury. What have you seen? So it really seems like over the last couple of weeks, he's been trending up quite a bit. You're starting to see him pop up more in the first round in mock drafts. Now, back in January, February, when the mock drafts or the serious mock drafts first started kind of filtering out, he was second round, third round, some of those areas. You saw teams like maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, Seattle Seahawks, some of these teams that that could use a long-term answer at quarterback, uh, especially the Buccaneers. Uh, saw him mocked there a lot. But over the last couple of weeks, I've seen him you know, like going to the Titans at 11, uh, the Vikings at I think they have the 23rd pick maybe. Uh, the, the Buccaneers again, the Seahawks again. You've really seen him – his, I mean, it's just soaring lately, and it, it's really because of the impressions that he's made during these interviews and the way that he's impressed teams. He knows what he's talking about. He knows football better than people think he does. He's excelled at doing the board work, uh, being able to call the plays and, and draw out what you know Tennessee was trying to do, what kind of concepts maybe NFL teams might run. He's been very impressive in that, the way that he uh, takes in information, just his general demeanor. I mean, we saw it when he's at Tennessee. That's no surprise to us at all. So that that's really helped him a lot, just the way he carries himself. And I think NFL teams put more stock into that than maybe a draft analyst. I know somebody like Mel Kuyper that's been really big on Will Levis. I, I think Will Levis might be his favorite quarterback in the draft. And it, it has nothing to do with anything off the field, the way he carries himself, none of that. It's straight up just the ball coming out of his hand, the ability that he has, the size – I think that's kind of an old school way of thinking because we've seen in recent years that it really takes, it's not so much the talent. Obviously you have to have talent. You have to be able to throw the ball in the tight windows. You have to have a decent arm. You have to be able to move out of the pocket, especially in today's game with some of these freak edge rushers that we see in the NFL, but guys like Joe Burrow, like he doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not the fastest guy out there. He, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not even really Aaron Rodgers, but he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL today, just because of the way he can lead how smart he is, the way he plays the game. And there's other quarterbacks out there like that, too. Hooker's got a lot of that in him. So I think NFL teams will like that. They're going to trust him in, in their locker room. Whereas with Will Levis, you don't really know. With Anthony Richardson, there's just so much there that you're trying to project as to how he'll play at the next level. You're not really sure. With Hooker, he's a little more polished, has a little more experience. I know the age is a factor in the ACL and all that stuff, but I, I don't think that's scaring away teams as much as as much as we think. Now, the caveat there is that we started hearing some stuff like this about Malik Willis around the same time a year ago. Saw him projected high in the first round. I remember there were mock drafts that had him going to the Carolina Panthers at, at number six. Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they had like the 24th pick. They ended up taking Kenny Pickett. 
know, he ends up falling to the third round to the Titans, number 86 overall. Obviously, there's a lot of misinformation that was put out there about Malik Willis. I don't think that's the same thing that's happening with Hendon Hooker, but I do think there might be a hint of that, like as far as like, oh, going up, you know, number 11 overall to the Titans. I don't think that's probably going to happen. I think he has a chance to sneak in there at the back end of the first round, maybe as high as to the Vikings where they pick up in the early 20s. Saw a report today that maybe the Titans would be interested in trading back if the player they want at number 11 is not there. They trade back to maybe try to get Hooker later in the first round. That's, that's something that's been out there. Todd McShay put that out there uh, today for ESPN. So there's some different scenarios there that you know could could end up with Hooker being a first-round pick. It would be the first time a Tennessee quarterback has been picked in the first round since Peyton Manning in 1998. And really only like the fourth quarterback, I think, Tennessee's had selected, fourth or fifth. Since Manning, you know, T. Martin, Ainge, Jonathan Crompton, Josh Dobbs. I don't think there's many others out there. Yep. Uh, God, we, that would be so amazing to have him go in the first round. Not just, obviously, for the historical piece of that. That's really cool. But just for how great of a person Hinden Hooker is, I want to see him get rewarded. Well, it feels like he got robbed because of that team. at ACL. Right? Exactly. Like, it feels like he got robbed of the last uh, game against Vanderbilt. He got robbed of the Heisman Trophy being on the stage, if not winning the award, I think he would have been right won. there in that conversation, you know, because outside of Caleb Williams, it really wasn't even that close with some of the other guys that were on the stage. So he got robbed of that, gets robbed of playing in the Orange Bowl, which I know he's happy that Joe Milton got that opportunity and Joe Milton kind of silenced a, a few of the doubters moving into 2023. And I know just the person that Hooker is that he's probably happy that Milton got that opportunity and he's a a selfless person, but he's still, he's got robbed of so much there at the end of his Tennessee career that at least give him this is kind of the, the way I feel about it too. I feel like there's sort of two possibilities that are the most likely with hooker. And I really hope it's the first one and definitely not the second one. Um, I feel like he could be the surprise that gets taken right at the end of the first round. And we would all just be so ecstatic for him. And if it's not that I'm afraid it's going to be the, I can't believe that they're that he's been sitting for this long. How are they letting Hinton Hooker go? Oh, you know, I like Malik Willis last year. It seems like there's kind of a quarterback like that most years in the NFL draft, just somebody where people are like, How has no one selected this guy? And they end up falling to like the third round when you thought they were gonna go a lot higher. It just feels like those those are the two scenarios that we've seen the most get floated around. And please, please, please just let it be the first. I I just want so badly just some kind of dream scenario for him because he deserves it. The, the man himself, this is not for Tennessee fans. Like it, It's amazing for Tennessee fans to finally have another quarterback taken high, something like that. But just Hinton Hooker as a man and the things that have happened to him, the kid deserves it. He absolutely yeah. deserves it. Any Anything good that comes his way, he has he has brought that all on himself and, and just should have be rewarded for that. But um it, it really is just a giant toss-up i think yeah i mean i I'm, I'm not super confident about him going in the first round or not going in the first round either way i think it's 50 50 on that but i don't if he doesn't i don't think he falls out of the second round by any means i don't think this quarterback draft class is not deep enough for him to fall that far down the board if those other four guys go first round which we know bryce young and, and cj stroud will pretty sure anthony richardson will will levis you've kind of heard some negative talk about him. I really don't know, you know, maybe the Colts are in love with him, which I know Titans fans would, would love. Please. 
maybe they do something back to maybe they're taking where they're at sitting at right now number four i believe uh, who knows what happens with him but beyond those four it, then it's hooker and there's not a lot of other great options so i don't think i think a quarterback needy team like a tampa bay like a seattle maybe detroit who feels pretty comfortable with jared Goff going into 2023 but he's not really the long-term guy maybe they take a chance on hooker to try to develop him and, and see what he has uh, something like that could work but I, I don't think he falls past the second round i hope not um and it yeah it's a crapshoot we'll just have to see where it is and obviously we're gonna uh respond and react to everything that happened on next week's show um but i you know I obviously would love for any Tennessee player to be taken by the Tennessee Titans. I'm, I'm a huge Titans guy, along with being a huge Tennessee guy. Um, and and right now, it seems like an option that's on the board for the Titans to go to the next player is Darnell Wright. And on that point, so I actually looked up uh, on Superbook what they have for the NFL draft in terms of, of betting. They have the the over-under for where certain players are going to get taken. I was looking through. They have Darnell Wright on here, and it is over-under 11.5. Again, on, go download Superbook Sports. You can bet on this. Uh, over 11.5, that's his draft spot. The 11 would be the Tennessee Titans at the moment. They could trade. Um, is he taken by the Tennessee Titans, Zach? Are you over or are you under? <laughs> Um, my gut, I mean, that that being the Titans pick, notwithstanding, my gut says to go under that because he's a purely a right tackle. Yeah, we know he's had those left tackle reps, but it's pretty obvious that he's best suited to play right tackle, and I think that's what a team will target him for. Early on in the draft process, I thought he was the perfect fit for the Cincinnati Bengals. They got issues at right tackle. Lyle Collins is hurt towards ACL. Don't know when he's going to be back. They signed Orlando Brown to play left tackle, to move Jonah Williams, a left tackle to right tackle. He then demands a trade. So they don't really have a clear option there. I thought that would have been a perfect fit. He's geographically, he's close. I think Cincinnati was the closest team to him growing up there in West Virginia, where he grew up on the, the western side of West Virginia. And initially that felt like, okay, him sneaking into the first round, which is kind of what people thought he might do. But over the last two months, his his kind of like Hendon Hooker, his draft status has just shot up. We've heard all these great things. It felt like forever that nobody was talking about him shutting down Will Anderson. I know we talked about it during the season. At the beginning of the draft process, it felt like that kind of got overlooked. Then Will Anderson made those comments about uh, Darnell Wright being the best offensive tackle he played against in college, and that kind of boosted Wright's draft stock a little bit. He's been impressive. And the senior bowl, the combine, had a really great pre-draft performances. I think he'll go top 20. He might even go top 15, but it's just such a weird range of teams in that area. I've seen the Patriots maybe at 14, the Packers possibly at 15. The Steelers at 17 could be very interested. Wouldn't be surprised if they traded up. That's actually a scenario I saw floated today is that they trade up with the Titans to draft Darnell Wright. The Titans trade back and maybe take Hendon Hooker later in the first round. So that's... That would kind of be a pretty crazy scenario with us discussing Tennessee players, but he's the one surefire first round pick for Tennessee. He's not going to fall out of the first round. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, as I said, you can go bet on where he's going to fall in in the draft there on Superbook Sports. 
but I, yeah, I, I would be so ecstatic. I, I mean, I read an article this past week. I don't remember exactly where it was, where, you know, rights a potential Titans target there. That'd be phenomenal. If it's not him, give me, please give me Hinton Hooker. I would, oh, that's, that's the dream right there. Even if it, in my opinion, might not be the smartest move that the Titans could make, but uh, regardless, that would be so cool. Um, moving down the list, Jalen Hyatt. What have you seen? This is another one where I've kind of seen some disparate things where some guys are just like, oh, he's only straight line speed. And then other guys think he might be uh, the next great receiver. So what what have you seen uh, for Hyatt for, for Thursday night? Seems like he's really fading into that second, maybe second tier of wide receivers over the last couple of weeks. I'm not as convinced that he'll be a first round pick. Maybe. The Chiefs pick him with the last pick in the first round. I think that would be his best fit would be with Kansas City because their offense isn't similar to Tennessee's. I'm not trying to say that, but they're the team that has the most similar concepts to Tennessee that gets creative, gets innovative, tries to create some mismatches. We saw it in the playoffs at times. Uh, Plus playing with Patrick Mahomes has a big arm. They don't have the speed guy necessarily that they've had in years past. McCall Hardman left in free agency. They lost you know, Tyreek Hill last year. So they need somebody. They need somebody to fill that role. I think Jalen High would be a great fit there with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They might have other needs, though, that they want to address before wide receiver. They might feel like they can get somebody later. So if if it's not the Chiefs, you've seen some other teams, him mock to some other teams in the first round, the Chargers I've seen, which I think would be a pretty good fit with, with Justin Herbert. He could go out there and join uh, Josh Palmer, another former Tennessee wide receiver that's in Los Angeles. I've seen the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure there's plenty of Cowboys fan, Cowboys Vols fans somewhere out there uh, that would enjoy that. I could see him slip into the second round, though. I don't think he slips outside really the top 40, maybe just barely, but that that seems to be the range. Just because of the uncertainty with, one, his size. He's not very big. He's not, you know, he's six foot, barely, 180 pounds, 75 pounds. He's, he's not going to play a lot heavier than that, probably. He did look like he p- tried to put a little bit of weight on for Tennessee's pro day. You could tell that he was playing a little heavier than he did at Tennessee. I don't know if that's good or bad for his game. But th- those types of wide receivers can be tough to project at the next level. They tend to get injured a lot. Ty- you know, Somewhere like Tyreek Hill, he's a little bigger. He's thicker. He has more mass. He can kind of hold up some of those hits. He's a different type of player. So I think that would be the concern with Hyatt. Then, of course, the route running stuff, which maybe that's justified. Maybe it's not. I mean, he did play a year in Jim Chaney's offense, which is a little more traditional. So he's got some knowledge of playing in a different type of offense and having to receive play calls, you know, different types of play calls and not just reading the defense and these deep choice routes. So we'll see where he lands. I I don't think I wouldn't be surprised if it's second round, though. I think he goes second round. It just seems like that's been the conventional wisdom. And of course, we all know that essentially none of these guys really know what they're talking about at the end of the day. It's just guessing, but yeah, it just, that just makes the most sense. And so I, that is definitely my, my guess from everything I've seen with Hyatt. Uh, and to on, on the same point, I saw uh, an, actually a Titans reporter that I follow on Twitter. He was saying, that Cedric Tillman is a better NFL prospect than Jalen Hyatt. And, and he, he kind of said it on Twitter this week as just like, a, this is going to be controversial. 
But Cedric Tillman is a better NFL prospect than Jalen Hyatt. And here's the thing. I agree with that, I think, because, and I think most Tennessee fans would probably hang out here. I, I think they're they're similar. Jalen Hyatt has the all the potential in the world. Put his nose to the grindstone. I think the kid could carve out an excellent NFL career. But Cedric Tillman, you just look at the traditional NFL wide receiver. More physical. Bigger. Go, see, he's really great on 50-50 footballs. You know, he just has all of those things that they really look for in the NFL. And the projections that I've seen are second or even third round, I want to say. And if he goes down to the third round, somebody's just getting an unbelievable value there. In my personal opinion, when he gets over completely over all the injury and all the everything, that kid, it, 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 like he has all the potential. It's all there. Um, but but uh, have you seen anything particularly interesting with, with Tillman in the draft? No, pretty. I mean, I saw that comment. I've seen him mocked in the same range. I've seen him sneak into the first round in a handful of mocks, not many. Most of them, like you said, have been second or third round. But I agree. I think he's the better NFL prospect. He's bigger. He has great body control, uh, elite body control, I'd say. We, we've seen the way he yeah. can adjust the balls in the air, and that is a hugely valuable trait, one that quarterbacks will love. You, you want to throw to a guy that can make a bad throw look not so bad. Because those those are going to happen, even in the NFL. He's not as fast as Hyatt, obviously, but he's not slow by any means. I think you're in, what, like a 4.52 or in the 4.5 range at the combine, which is, it's not burner speed, but it's good enough to four, five, play in the NFL. 4.54 is what's listed as the thing I'm looking at. Yeah, it's it's good enough to play in the NFL. No, he's not going to be, like you said, a speedster that's just blazing past guys. And that wasn't really his game at Tennessee. I mean, he had some of those plays. Uh, we saw some of those in 2021. But he's more of a, you know, he's just a more of a traditional wide receiver. He mentioned about Hyatt playing one year in Cheney's offense. I mean, Tillman was in Cheney's offense for three years. He was in uh, Heupel's for two years. So he has plenty of experience in different systems. I think that's a positive going for him. I mean, that if, if not for that 2022 year, he comes out 2021. He might be a first-round pick coming out of last season. He was the leading returning receiver in the sec this past season and then he got hurt if he doesn't get hurt are we even talking about jalen hyatt in the same way is jalen hyatt even declared for the draft i mean maybe he's coming back to tennessee if cedric tillman never gets hurt because it was it just increased his opportunities and made him become the focal point of that offense where it was previously tillman at least in the passing game so i think yeah he could definitely be a major steal he's another one that i think the Bengals could possibly be interested in if they can get him in like the third round because T Higgins is good chance that they don't. I know there's talks that they, that they want to extend him. I just don't see how it happens. You got a Joe Burrow extension coming Jamar chase next off season. You can't wrap up all your money in those three big offensive weapons. You, you got to have money to spread around to other positions of need and their, their offensive line issues have been well documented. So that could be an interesting landing spot. Really, he could fit in just about in any offense, I think, though, just because of the type of player he is. He's a move-the-chains type guy. Yeah. I mean, he he's another one that I really want to see rewarded after this past season. You know, he just kind of got a, a tough hand. And uh, I I think ho- – hopefully it's, it's a second round for sure. I mean, and no further than that. But I could see if if he falls, I mean, that's going to be an incredible value for whatever team picks him up. But we'll we'll finish uh, with this. Byron Young, dude has been getting hype 
from some of the analysis that I've seen as being just like a real under the radar potential value pickup for whoever can get him specifically. I mean, the, the stuff that I've read is just that his work ethic jumps off the page. Obviously we all know Byron Young. He, uh, what was, he was a manager at the, uh, the dollar general, right. Mm-hmm. And, and then went to junior college, then from junior college, got picked up by Tennessee and just kind of has this cool meteoric rise that he had. And then now has potential to get, to get to the NFL. And that's so awesome. And, and I think that that's gotta be attractive to teams because if you can get a dude who's a workhorse like that, that's, you know, it's one of the best traits you can possibly have because they're going to come in with a business mentality and and get better at the game of football for you. And so uh, I, I don't know what you've seen in terms of his his potential the round where he might get picked. Uh, but, but what have you seen about B.Y.? Yeah, I've seen a lot of second round projections with him. I've seen the Chicago Bears quite a few times. I think that would make sense. And they're kind of a, a defensive first team under Matt Eberflus, the head coach out there that came from the Colts. I think that would make a lot of sense. He's an athletic guy. He ran like a four four three or four four one in the forty at the combine, had a eleven foot long broad jump, I think, which was the highest in, in his group that day. So very athletic. Didn't have a ton of production at Tennessee. I think that will probably probably be a negative against him i think he like 12 and a half career sacks over or somewhere in that range over his two years at tennessee so that probably a little bit of a negative but i think he's a guy that in the second round the way edge rushers they're so important if you can hit on one in the second or third round it can really change your defense i think it's worth taking a chance on him so i think his athleticism his work ethic his story i don't think he falls much past the second round at all maybe early third possibly, but I think he'll be a second-round pick. I mean, there's even been some right after the combine that, that thought maybe he should be a first-rounder, that he had that type of talent. I don't know if NFL teams will agree with that or not, but, you know, he's in that first couple of rounds. I mean, just think about... <laughs> so if if kind of the projections that we've talked about with these first five guys all come to fruition, Tennessee would have five dudes taken in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Five! After a season where 30 dudes went in the portal and a new coach took over and all of, obviously we all watched it. I, what more could you say in 11 and two season, a year two, five dudes taken in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. I think it's, it is purely, it's extremely likely that it's five dudes taken in the first three rounds. I think, I don't want to say that's guaranteed. You never know. Things can happen, but if it's five guys taken in the first three rounds, much less the first two rounds of the NFL draft, and after an eleven and two season, I just just you know another even, feather in the Josh Heupel miracle worker cap. There, <laughs> what's what's even more impressive, and uh, this is actually what I was fixing to say here. Ben Hall pretty much says it for me. It's a massive number for recruiting because it means we develop dudes who were thought to be duds, and that's Great exactly. Point what I was going to get to Hendon hooker was an afterthought at Virginia tech. Jalen Hyatt didn't have a great first two years at Tennessee. Cedric Tillman had produced almost nothing under Jeremy Pruitt coming out of Las Vegas. Byron young, obviously you talked about his story working at dollar general thought his football career might be completely over. Uh, I mean, these are guys that you just, they weren't supposed to be going in the early rounds of the draft at all. Like that, that wasn't supposed to be the case. Even Darnell Wright, you know, after his first couple of years at Tennessee, it was, was he, should he really have been a five-star? Like, he's been solid, but he hasn't been that elite 
offensive lineman. They move him to the right side in 2022. He's the best offensive lineman in the nation. Uh, so, I mean, just the development of this staff across a multitude of positions, quarterback, edge rusher, offensive line, wide receiver. It's been incredible to watch if they get some dudes in the secondary moving in the same direction. I mean, you know, watch out, I guess. But, yeah, it's just a really a testament to the de- development that's happening in Tennessee. It's been something that we've talked about for Tennessee fans have talked about for 10 years, the the development. I mean, we saw so many talented guys go to Tennessee and not succeed. Uh, In fact, the athletic did a little invest, not investigative, but did a little research into programs, how they develop talent, the amount of three-star, four-star and five-star players that end up going to the NFL. And Tennessee did not score well on that at all, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that's followed the program over the last, you know, like we said, 10 years, because you've seen a lot of those guys just, fail and not not live up to the expectations i mean like khalil mckenzie for example a five-star de- lineman that he could play on defense or offense at tennessee and i can't remember if he was drafted late but never really you know had an nfl career you you think about what if he would have had a coach like josh hype on this staff at tennessee where would his career be now i think that's definitely something that recruits want to know if you're a four-star guy even if you're a high three-star you're thinking nfl and you want to know how to get there. Of course, you want to go to college, win a championship. That's three to four years of your life. You're thinking about that next 10 to 15 years, hopefully. And can Tennessee get me there? I mean, they're showing so far that they can. One more proof would you need? Like, seriously, if you if that happens, the five guys in the first two rounds this year, and then Heupel produces another 10-win season, I will put it this way. And, and I don't necessarily say this to like put pressure on Hypel, but I think it's just true. If that all happens, there's no excuse to not start recruiting at a level near your Georgias and Alabamas. There's really no, you're right there. You're getting guys drafted like they do. You're getting season results like they do. So let's recruit like they do because, you know, I mean, if you're to that point, if you're getting season results similar to Alabama and Georgia, but with far less talented players, what'll happen if you get those talented players? I I want to find out. I want to know. So, well, it's what it's going to take to beat Georgia because you're going to yes, have to have the athletes to beat them. Yes, uh, but it time will tell. We're, we're just going to have to see how it all turns out. The, yeah. the rest of the guys on the list for Tennessee, oh, Jeremy Banks, uh, Jerome Carvin, I think they're going to be later round guys. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think both, both of those go. Yeah, I think they both go sixth, seventh round. I think Jeremy yes. Banks can be a – I think he, he can provide a, some immediate special teams value. I don't know how well – if he'll ever really play like a starting linebacker type role in the NFL. I don't know if he has the pass coverage skills for that and yeah. some of the other uh, attributes needed to play that position in the NFL, but I think he can be valuable in a special teams way. And I think Jerome Carvin could be one of the biggest steals in the draft. I mean, he's got position versatility. He can play either guard spot. He can play center. He was one of the Tennessee's main leaders uh, last season. I think he, he's – I am i don't know why he wasn't invited to the combine. I think he should be like a third or fourth round pick. I think he's – showed that he's talented i think he might have allowed just one sack all of last season if that i don't know what teams are seeing there that that we're not seeing maybe there's something with the measurables that they don't like or something with the film i'm not claiming to be a draft analyst or a front office you know nfl front office member that that goes in depth and, and watches every snap and 
can really evaluate these guys in that sense. But just based on what we saw at Tennessee, he seemed like an NFL offensive lineman to me. I, I agree. I'll, I'll finish this segment by replying to Greg here. He says, who do you think will be the Tennessee Titans first round draft pick this season? I already said I want it to be Darnell Wright. Uh, I think this has been my theory since the NFL season ended for the Titans. Uh, I think they're just going to go offensive linemen, pack it in, and uh, they're going to flop for a quarterback next season. They're going to it's probably the best approach. I know it's a tough for a fan to live through a season like that, but build your offensive line and wait for a Caleb Williams or somebody that you know is a little more of a sure thing, maybe Drake May, and then you, you know, then you're in business. I don't know if this draft has that quarterback. I mean, if Bryce Young was six, six that's guy for sure. Yeah. Uh, if Hooker maybe had played in a more traditional offense. I mean, I don't love those questions about the offense, but I do understand it because you have to do a prove that you can run those plays. You have to prove that you can run that offense. I mean, you absolutely have to prove that. I believe the hooker can, but ultimately you still have to do a prove it. And, and CJ Stroud, maybe he's that guy, but even he's not like the surefire can't miss Joe Burrow type prospect. So, you know, it, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough draft to be in if you need a quarterback because you're, you're trying to make the right decision, and there's a few decisions there, and inevitably one or two of those are going to be the wrong decision. No doubt about it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we will now go from the NFL draft to something that, in obviously, in our opinion, we've been saying here is kind of tangentially related. Recruiting. We're going to talk about a little bit of recruiting news that Tennessee had this week right after I tell you about our next great sponsor. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200 plus locations across the state of Tennessee. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Thank you, thank you, thank you to them. Support Farm Bureau Health Plans because they support this show. We really appreciate it. Now to recruiting. Tennessee had a little bit of movement here uh, this week on uh, on the football recruiting front. We're going to talk about all the recruiting for basketball. That's going to be the next segment. Uh, but this is this is football recruiting. They picked up Jeremiah Hurd, who is a three-star defensive lineman prospect. This dude's really interesting because... He's not rated on ESPN or Rivals yet. He's very, I, I would say, the definition of under the radar. But it's not because he hasn't shown out yet. It's because, according to the stuff I read, this dude started playing football last year. He's, like, new to the game of football. And I believe there's potential for offensive or defensive play, uh, although he is listed as a defensive lineman at the moment, but potentially an offensive lineman. Uh, he is six foot eight and almost 300 pounds. 293 is what he's listed on on three's website. This dude is a monster. Uh, but again, a three-star player on, on, on three, he is the 95th defensive lineman in their rankings. Uh, again, just a three-star, but a, a fascinating pickup, I would say. This one's interesting just because of the nature of the kid, and you know, he just started playing football last year, supposedly. What what do you think of this pickup, Zach? 
Yeah, I think immediately you have to wonder, uh, we talked about this before, like you can only have so many hidden gems in a class that you can count on, right? And you you have to land the four-star, five-star guys. But what Josh Heupel has proven and his staff have proven to be good at is evaluating these guys early in the process, identifying them as players that they think will not necessarily rise in the rankings because if, if we're to believe coaches, they don't pay any attention to those rankings, which I don't think any of us believe. But they basically think this guy is going to be a four-star caliber guy. I mean, that seems to be the way they're recruiting. I think they know that they can't beat Alabama and Georgia for certain players just yet, and that's not a slight against Tennessee. I don't know that there's anything you can magically do to win those recruiting battles. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, they have so much recruiting equity. that That's just really hard to compete against. You just have to beat them, stack these 11-win seasons on top of each other, start getting those results more frequently like you talked about, then you can win those battles. Until then, I think you have to identify guys early in the process, trust your evaluations, and see if they become what you think they'll be. They've done that a couple of times already. I assume this is what they're going for with this pickup. Yeah, we, we've said it a bunch just in the last few weeks with the players that they've been getting. At a certain point, you just have to beat Georgia. Like, that's just like yeah. something that teams can just do. You know, nobody did it this last season. I mean, it's so easy if you're so, Kirby Smart to just say, I mean, they... They haven't beat me since 2016, you know, my first exactly. year in Athens. Uh, Why? What What? What can you say against that? Yeah, I mean, at Tom, least with Alabama, you can sell the win this past season. Tom, Tom says it here. We need luck. <laughs> There's a monster down in Georgia. I, I mean, yeah. But this is this herd guy. If he can play, he is the type of body that you need. Yeah. To go up against Georgia because that's what they're that's what they're getting. So if the ones they're getting are already rated as five stars, you're hoping this exactly. guy develops into that. I mean, six foot eight, two ninety-three. The dude certainly has the physicality, but will he turn into the player that you need? Um, each at at this point, I don't want to say it's all hope. I think he's he can be a good player as already as a three star. Um, but it's there is certainly just an element of hope here where you go like, well, I hope he develops. We'll just have to see, you know. It'll be so, fascinating to watch his rise in the recruiting rankings if he does rise over the next, you know, six to eight months, especially yes. over the summer. Going to be watching it close, just because of kind of how interesting he is as a prospect. He's going to be a, a real fascinating one to keep an eye on. But out outside of herd, you had uh, Amari McNeil, defensive lineman, hit the transfer portal. This is not. I, I always feel bad giving this take. <laughs> Because Omari McNeil is going to go somewhere at, at just a slightly lower level, and he's going to find playing time, and that's what he wants, and that's what he should go get. Um, he just wasn't going to play this season at, at Tennessee unless there were injuries, unless somebody fell off. Uh, you know, He just wasn't going to carve out that spot. He, he got transfers came in and hopped him reportedly. You know, just some, uh, your Omar Norman lots and guys like that, it, it just wasn't the room was a little too stacked for him. And so Though he did he reportedly just, have a decent spring at least. And it's not like yeah. he was just a terrible player. I think he probably going to be hard to crack the rotation like you're alluding to there, but he wasn't just some cast off that they had no hope for type guy. No, not at all. I mean, and, and it takes away a depth piece, which, yeah, I, I mean, we, we talked about all deer and spring ball. That's, that's the best thing that's happened for Tennessee football. This off season is adding legitimate depth. Uh, but I think they still have it 
even with this transfer and the transfer portal still open. You could pick up another defensive lineman. I, I don't see a huge need there, uh, but it certainly wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it. I, just, I don't think they will, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't that, think that they one. lose. I don't think they drop a game on their 2023 schedule because Amari McNeil's not on the team anymore. Exactly. It's it's not a brutal loss. It's not. It's certainly not good, and I don't want to act like that at all. Um, it's not good, but it's not devastating unless you have just a number of injuries on that defensive line, and, and that guy, he just ends up being a guy you really, really needed. Um, but he just wasn't going to be a guy who was going to be a starter ultimately. And so... There, there's that in terms of moving in the transfer portal. And we were just going to wrap up this this conversation about recruiting and transfer portal by just saying, is there this point we've seen spring ball and now you have until essentially August to, to potentially get more guys from the transfer portal. Is there anything that is calling out on this roster where Tennessee has needs. And we saw Josh Heupel, I believe it was at the caravan, the Tennessee caravan. They've been doing the the tour across the state of Tennessee where all of the coaches um, meet with fans at this event, the Tennessee caravan. Um, and Heupel mentioned, do, do you have the wording there? You, you told me before the show started, but he mentioned something about potentially looking at the offensive line for transfer. What yeah, did he say? And he's, News in Nashville, he said, I think we can I think we can continue to add maturity at the offensive line position in particular. And okay. specifically, uh, we think he's talking about the offensive guard position. Because it seems like the tackles are pretty much figured out that you're gonna have John Campbell probably at left tackle and slide Mincy and uh, Gerald Mincy and Jeremiah Crawford over to right tackle. Kind of a similar situation with Darnell Rice sliding over last season, which hopefully, you know, that raises their level of play. But I hope so. When it comes to the interior offensive line, you have Javante Spragans. You have Cooper Mays that will be at center. That other guard position is a little bit up in the air, which is a bit of a surprise because we thought the transfer from Texas, Andres Carriage, was going to kind of take that position and run with it. Doesn't really seem like that's been the case. I mean, you've even seen like Ollie Lane mentioned as a possibility there. It seems like they would like to have some more options there. So it wouldn't be a, a total shock, then, especially with Heupel's comments, if they go looking for an offensive guard uh, in the next week or so before the portal closes. Not at all. And that that's the one, to me, that seems the most obvious. Seen some stuff floated around about potentially wide receivers which from the portal, which seems interesting. Because um, you look at that room and you don't necessarily see like, oh, yeah, we definitely need to pick up a wide receiver after you already got Dante Thornton. And you're pretty much, you know, unless there are injuries, you know the dudes that are going to be your starting wide receivers at this point. So that's that's interesting. Um, what what was the deal there? Yeah, I mean, uh, Goval's 24-7 actually reported, uh, I guess, today that Tennessee had been linked to TCU wide receiver at some point this offseason. Jordan Hudson, who, uh, yeah, Hudson didn't do a lot at TCU last year, caught 23 passes for 170 some yards but i think it tells you that maybe tennessee isn't quite comfortable maybe it's not that they're not comfortable with their wide receiver room but there's a lot of youth beyond those top four wide receivers that we've talked about with, with thornton and score and Bruce mccoy and Romel keaton once you get past there there's a lot of talent but there's not a ton of experience so hudson from tcu he would come from a 
I don't want to say similar offense because TCU is more air raid inspired, but it is a non-traditional <laughs> offense. So it's, it is a, something that maybe there's some stuff that translates there. So I could see him being a decent fit. I don't know if it's like a top priority for Tennessee by any means, but we saw last season how quickly wide receiver depth can be tested. So it just means that Tennessee wants to make sure they're not caught off guard or, or, or caught with a sudden weakness in 2023 that they didn't, you know, maybe they had a chance to take care of before the season and they didn't. It looks like they're trying to avoid that type of situation. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that because I'd like to see some of those young guys get a chance. I, I think some of them, like Square White, got chances at times. Yeah. This season where everybody's really excited about him moving forward in 2023. I think you got to give some of those guys a chance, but I also respect Hypo making sure the roster doesn't have any holes. I mean, he's I'm not going to say that Tennessee has championship uh, expectations being put on them by the national media in 2023, because they're certainly not. They're not the front runners. Most people aren't, you know, predicting them to even make the playoff with with Hooker and Hyatt and Tillman and all those guys moving on. But in Josh Heupel's mind, in Tennessee's facility, they're going for it. I mean, they're going into 2023 expecting to go 15-0. and 0, And they're operating in that sense. So I, I can respect that part of it if they are looking at another wide receiver. Absolutely, because this is really an opportunity, I think, when, when you look across the landscape of the SEC East this season, there is the potential for it to basically be a two-team race and it should be Tennessee, and it should be Georgia. And if you can bolster your roster as much as possible, I think that that opportunity is is right there for you, where that game, I mean, the game against Georgia is in, I believe, the beginning of November. It's in November. Something like that. And there is legit potential. A lot has to happen before this, but there's legit potential where that game's for the SEC East. And it, it, that was essentially that way this season. Ultimately, we didn't know Tennessee was going to go get their doors blown off by South Carolina. But that game, thankfully, South Carolina games in Neyland Stadium. And I think Josh Heupel is going to be out to slaughter. Well, South they Carolina definitely will not be season. taking South. They won't be yeah. taking South Carolina lightly, which is exactly what happened last season. We heard Tennessee's players, various defensive players, pretty much straight up say that they did not yeah. think that that game was going to be that close. Exactly. And, and so, I mean, you... You get past, you get past Florida in the swamp, which that's huge. I mean, that's massive. You haven't won in the swamp in however long, um, but you get past Florida in the swamp. You get past South Carolina. I, you're looking straight at, straight at that because you can you can lose to Alabama and beat Georgia, and you still win the SEC East. I, if mm-hmm. I'm thinking correctly, I yeah. believe that would be the case. So you're looking straight at that game and going, all right, the pass here, and so. That, oh man, you have to just be thinking. Th- this is like a, an NFL team, <laughs> like like the Titans a couple years ago. What they should have been doing is is bolstering everything for that Super Bowl run where the, the, the Rams a couple years ago, where they just went, you know, balls to the wall. It's all here for us. We just got to go and take it. And ultimately, they won that Super Bowl. I, I don't know that Tennessee is relatively relative to college football that good this season but i think you have the potential because there is a fairly decent chance that things just come down to that georgia game and and that game's in neyland stadium i mean that's it's as winnable as it's probably gonna get with with kirby smart there so yeah especially um, breaking in a new quarterback although that is the one downside of that game being in november is by then 
that quarterback has a year of experience. Uh, Carson Beck, I assume, would be the guy there. Uh, and Stetson Bennett, you know, we made fun of him, but he was productive at Georgia. He did what he had to do to win games. He made some huge plays against Tennessee that really broke the defense's back. And regardless of what you think of him, he was a good college quarterback. He was obviously playing with some great athletes, a great offensive line. I don't think he has that same type of success at a, at a school without those assets yeah. on the offensive side of the ball. But either way, he did his job and he did it pretty well at Georgia. You know, won two national championships. It's it's really hard to argue against him. If he had done that same thing at Tennessee and was the same quarterback, he'd be a living legend forever at Tennessee. So I can understand why Georgia fans, you know, love him so much despite his his off-field transgressions, which uh, have been pretty bad this spring. But aside from that, yeah, you don't have him there. They've lost some key players. They're going to reload, of course, like they always do. But the main thing is that the, the game is in Neyland. And I'm not going to say that that would have flipped the game last season, but it would have taken all those false starts out of the equation. And that would have helped Tennessee's offense a lot. And what yeah. they did with those opportunities, I don't know. I mean, we'll never know for sure, but it would have been a lot more winnable without that. So obviously that's going to be huge for Tennessee in this game. Yeah, and, and with that in mind, to go back, that's why you got to just be scouring everything you possibly can to glue up any possible hole. And you go, the potential is here. Obviously, last year, you won 11 games when nobody thought you would. Who knows what could happen now that you you have even more depth than last season. Uh, so, I... I think there's definite potential. We see more movement in the transfer portal. Obviously, we will just have to see. Yeah. And uh, somebody mentioned tight end. I mean, that that could definitely be another position you need, especially Ethan Davis with the collarbone issue should be fine for the 2023 season. But as good as he looked in the spring game, it was just a spring game. It was a very vanilla offense. He's still a true freshman. Very high on him. I think he has superstar potential in the SEC, but True freshman tight ends usually don't produce at a high level. You got Jacob Warren, who is, you know, he's kind of a role player type guy, not really a go-to guy in the passing game, knows his job, is a huge asset for Tennessee. He's like another coach on the field. He basically is a tight ends coach on the field at this point. We've heard Tennessee's coaches say that multiple times this offseason. As far as in terms of production, I wouldn't look for a huge uptick in his production, which leaves, you know, McCallan Castles, the new guy, it does feel like you could add some depth to that room for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll obviously keep a, an eye on it. If any move, movement happens there, we're going to cover it. But we got to move on and talk about more transfer portal news. But this time for the basketball team, this was, uh, I don't want to say we spoke this into existence, but uh, we talked last week about how there was no news with Tennessee basketball. And then by the time we came back on this week, all the news had happened with Tennessee basketball. So we'll break it down in just a second after I tell you about Omaha Steaks. Omaha Omaha Steaks is writing, rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest homestyle burgers you have ever tasted. They're pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun, filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code VOLS, that is V-O-L-S, at checkout to get an extra $20 off orders of $129 or more. Plus, you get free shipping order today. And try each pure ground burger and sample all the great steak on a bun greatness 
The burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. I've had the regular Omaha Steaks burgers. Haven't gotten my hands on these pure ground one yet. Uh, but I mean, the regular burgers are ridiculous. They're awesome. So I can uh, only imagine how good these are, these pure ground burgers. So don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com, promo code BOLS, B O L S. Check out, get your $20 off. Uh, uh, orders of $129 or more and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. Omaha Steaks promo code balls. Now, to basketball, uh, the newest uh, addition was Dalton <laughs> Necked <laughs> Connect. Have we decided? <laughs> what the the correct uh, pronunciation here is but uh transfers to Tennessee and there is some serious hype here because the kid seems to be an offensive firecracker and that's fun because lord knows Tennessee basketball needed that this past season um what did you think of these transfer pickups this week Zach yeah, well, first for from the Northern Colorado kid, Dalton Necht, Connect, however you want to pronounce his last name, we'll figure it out soon, I'm sure. I, to me, does that signal a, a slight change in Rick Barnes' philosophy, or maybe not a change in the philosophy, because uh-huh. I don't think it'll be a huge change regardless, but isn't it, is it an acknowledgement from Barnes that he did not have the offensive firepower to go make a Final Four? That feels like what it might be to me because this is a guy that can maybe create his own shot, get to the rim, shot almost 40% from three-point range, average 20 points a game. It feels like the exact player that Tennessee was missing last season, like the exact thing that maybe they make a run if they have a player like this. I like to think that, it, like I said, like it's an acknowledgement that Barnes was missing this piece. So hopefully that that both, you know is good news for Tennessee moving forward. I think that's a, a tremendous pickup uh, for Tennessee. 20.2 points per game, almost two assists per game. I I love that. I hope it is what you're saying. I hope it is Barnes going, okay, we're going to try to put the ball in the basket more next season. Fine. I'll do it. <laughs> you know, Because I, I want Barnes to frustratedly change his ways. I mean, we said it all at the end of the season. If you listen to the show back then, this for Barnes to get the best coach to have never won or never, you know, made it to more than one final four or whatever you want to put on in there for him to break that. He's got to have some teams to score the basketball clearly. Cause you go up against an FAU and you couldn't put the ball in the hoop. So please let it be a little bit of a philosophy change, but who really knows there. You also picked up Chris Ledlam from Harvard 18.8 18.8 points a game, eight and a half rebounds. Again, almost two assists a game for Ledlam. This dude seems awesome, too. I love both of these pickups. I think they're great. You also picked up Jordan Ganey, who's Justin Ganey's kid, who's an assistant coach on the team. He he seems like more of a, a depth piece, but I think an important piece because he's also offensive-minded and, and particularly has in his college career been a really good three-point shooter. So that's nice, too. Uh I, I hope it points to a little bit of a philosophy change. I think the only downside of this is that what it also points to is that Phillips and Triple J aren't coming back. I, I think that might be a foregone conclusion a bit. 
there. Uh, the fact that you had three pickups, uh, assuming Gainey's, uh, Jordan Gainey is a scholarship player. Yeah, um, I'm not sure on that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if we got a, a set answer on that one, but um, assuming that, that might be it. I don't know if there's an opportunity to come back. I, I'd have to check. I, I don't know what the scholarship numbers are, and I, I'm not going to act like I do. But yeah, um, last I heard, they're they're pretty much like testing the the NBA waters at this point, and and they can return if they want. So I don't think it's like Tennessee shutting the door on them by any means. So if you know Kamwa transferring out, if maybe just one of them wants to come back, there's still room. If only two of these guys are scholarship guys between Ledlam and Neck, maybe the other two are because Tennessee got another guy today from the Citadel that was it's a going to fill a walk-on spot so he's not really in that equation at all i think the door is open maybe if if phillips or triple j want to come back but i think ledlam can kind of fill the triple j's role a little bit he's a six six guy who's not a great three-point shooter but he does he does put up plenty of shots and he's not afraid to take a shot he's a great rebounder and that was something that tennessee missed especially in the tournament especially against fau uh, got them eliminated from the tournament. It was not being able to rebound. So I feel like, again, that that is Rick Barnes trying to fill a specific weakness that bit them in the tournament, which is encouraging because it, you know, you're targeting things that you weren't good at last season. And that's what, that's what the portal is for. And it seems like he's using it the right way and going after a very specific type of player. I think with, with Phillips and triple J, I do think it's a situation. If, if Julian Phillips wants to come back, they're they're gonna let him <laughs> come back. Yeah, that's not a question have, in my mind. Have, yeah. my, what what I do wonder is that there's almost the assumption that they're not, and so that's what these pickups are. I again, I don't know. I'm not buying closed doors there and know the exact situation. Yeah, I'm sure conversations have taken place. But fi- I mean, Phillips, they would welcome him back with open arms. Make no mistake, the potential is all there if it can be unleashed. Um, Triple J, I th- I think similarly, they would definitely carve out a spot for him, but it does almost seem i i don't know i do wonder if there was a little bit of like okay it's time it's you know i mean it felt like that with fulkerson at the end right yeah with with barnes i mean (laughs) barnes made some comments like hey he's got to decide (laughs) if he wants to you know play or move on or what you know he was kind of ready to i'm not gonna say be done with fulkerson but i think he was ready to build a team without you know trying to figure out how fulkerson fit into it yeah it's it's kind of like with with Eurosh. Where you're like, okay, you know, we got JP Estrella coming in. We got another tall guy coming in. You, it's it's time. It might be. It's time. <laughs> you go, can't be go, in college forever. Yeah. Go go play in Europe. It'll be okay. You can come back and we'll we'll welcome you back to the sideline. But um, th- there's uh, a lot of moving pieces there before things get completely ironed out. Obviously, we're going to keep an eye on it. Uh, but I, I mean, I agree with Ben Hall here. He said, all we needed was a consistent score, not named Bescovy, and, and we're in the final four this season. I mean, exactly. If you had somebody to score down the stretch against Florida Atlantic, ten, th- pretty decent chance Tennessee makes the final four. You would add Kansas State in the Elite Eight. I think you were a better team than Kansas State overall, and it was right there for you. So yeah, I think you could have beat UConn. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't think UConn was an absolute buzzsaw is what it is as far as that goes. But I think there was pretty good potential for Tennessee for Barnes to finally get that second final four. And obviously it didn't come through. And hopefully 
hopefully there is some recognition here, man. What a world that would be if Barnes actually does kind of change his philosophy. I, I would be, I would eat that crow happily because we have obviously sat on this show and been like, Barnes doesn't change in his ways. The dude is, he, he's, he just has a, a pretty hard head and just isn't going to change. And you and know, nobody's asking for like a just wholesale change it wasn't that necessarily i no. think fans like the way this team played defense i think they like that aggressive style that just got under the skin of opponents and made national analysts just lose their minds because of the way tennessee played basketball like it's 1988 and detroit pistons or something i mean fans like that and i don't think they want to see that necessarily go away it just the scoring has to be there like yeah that that aspect you just cannot win a championship without that go-to guy i mean we want to see a. Uh... A, a Nick Saban hiring Lane Kiffin kind of change. Like, did did the identity of Alabama football completely flip on its head? No, not really. It you was think Alabama a, fans cared what their offense looked like? Just win exactly. championships. Just go win championships. Just go look around and be like, oh, the game's passing me by a little bit. Let's make a change. That's all we're saying. Uh, and so hopefully that that is the case. Uh, hope And hopefully the news comes out about... Uh, about Phillips and about Josiah in, in this coming week. And we'll talk about that too. Uh, but otherwise, anything else with basketball before we finish up with Tony Vitello and the balls giving us the, the pure joy of beating Vandy down. But was there anything else with basketball? Yeah, just here that, that Ben Hall Ooh. mentions, Alabama seemed to double down on recruiting guys on the all-prison team, which is uh, pretty accurate. You One sent of their, me this tweet. Yes, their latest transfer addition. What is he came from Wichita State? Um, Jaquan Walton arrested in T- Tuscaloosa on Saturday night, charged with second degree possession of marijuana, which comes nearly a month after announcing his decision to transfer to the University of Alabama. So, nothing major there. It's hard to get to uh, been out of shape out of something like that. It's not like the Brandon Miller situation, but it is kind of, I don't know, maybe an indictment on Alabama's program that Nate Oates does not really seem to have much control down there at this point you know it's funny i i think i saw uh let me see if i can find this i believe oats kicked him off the team um oh, there are multiple guns in the vehicle that he was arrested with too so maybe that is a little sketchier than yeah quote, quote from nate oats alabama is no longer recruiting jaquan walton and he will not be a student athlete at the university of alabama that's pretty convenient mm-hmm. you know from from a guy who this past season, you know, played a dude who allegedly provided the murder weapon to a murder. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, hey, if you're in the wrong, we've all been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just not. Oh, haven't we? Hadn't it? Just yeah. not quite on that, you know, that type of stage. Yeah, my, my wrong place at the wrong time is like sometimes i've gone to waffle house in the middle of the night and it gets a little dicey like that's been my wrong place wrong time like i don't think i've ever provided any murder weapons to anybody but um anywho um yeah alabama what a just dumpster fire i hope that that program just comes crashing down to the ground with nato at the helm that would be a joy to watch well on its way it seems yes hopefully uh that happens not, not to prey on somebody's downfall, but I think they deserve it. Um, all right. So we're going to finish up with a little bit of baseball talk. But of course, my favorite sponsor, Rattle and Snap Tennessee. 
whiskey. You know what goes great with a Tennessee sports victory? And there were a bunch of them over the weekend that you could have uh, raised a glass to. That is whiskey. And specifically, I'm talking about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Logstill Distillery has released a new Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Named after a long-forgotten game of chance, Rattle and Snap is whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year version and an eight-year version. Here's the four-year right here. I got it for you. What a beautiful bottle. Great in cocktails. Great straight out of the bottle. Poured into a glass. You know, you be classy. I've definitely never on video drank this straight out of the bottle. Not once. Um, get it. Not only does it taste great in the glass. I mean, look at this bottle. It's just awesome. Looks great on the shelf. And uh, you can find it across the state of Tennessee. Rattle and Snap is also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run, don't walk, and get yourself some Rattle and Snap Tennessee whiskey for those Tennessee victories. And follow them on Instagram, at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. Uh, support them because they support us. And now we'll finish with some baseball talk. The boys back. After what I would say was a pretty low point on Tuesday of last week, just essentially a week ago, they got their doors blown off by Tennessee Tech uh, in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Just a total embarrassment. It was really bad. Um, I think, you know, we were texting some about that game and just like, what in the world is happening with this baseball team? You know, they get swept at Arkansas, barely competitive at all. And then they come home, get blasted by Tennessee Tech. And we were just like, you know, if they don't, it's, it's just not going to happen. There's just not going to be any signs of life here from this baseball team. I mean, what the heck after these last few years with all this fire with Tony Vitello's teams and they're just going to roll over and die like this? Well, what better remedy to bring life out of this baseball team than the Vanderbilt Commodores coming to town? The series was in Lindsey Nelson, so that you know there were friendly confines. But Tennessee just wiped the floor with Vandy. Well, they they wiped the floor in the in the second and third games. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that opening game, ninth inning, two solo home runs to come back from two runs down. You're down, I believe, three one, and came back. And specifically, what a clutch hit by Dylan Dryling, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, he comes in. It's a solo home run that ties the game, takes it into extra innings. Tennessee wins it in extra innings. I think Griffin Merritt hit that home run to win. And it was, it felt like 2022 again. You looked and you're like, oh, finally a little bit of that magic comes back winning on a walk-off home run after you make this incredible comeback. And then they just turned on the afterburner 17 to one in the next game, 10 to five in the game after that. And are we seeing a turnaround here, Zach? Is this where the season flips? Tennessee uh, gets back on the horse. Yeah, I mean, certainly they have to go do it against Mississippi State this weekend. But like you said, it it definitely felt like 2022 all over again. It had all the elements of everything that we saw last season. The come from behind win, you know, it felt like last season, Tennessee was down going into the late innings, eighth, ninth inning. You weren't that concerned. You knew they were going to do something. Maybe they might lose, but they're going to make it interesting. Most of the times they were going to win. So you had the come from behind win there with the Griffin Merritt walk off that provided kind of a signature moment for this season, especially since it happened against Vanderbilt at home. And then, you know, the two dominating wins on Saturday and Sunday, it was definitely vintage Tennessee. You saw some of that same bravado from them that we saw last season. Felt like they were really finding themselves as a team. They were finding their swagger, their confidence, who they are as a team. I mean, the, these 
exciting moments and tense react intense reactions and jumping off the mound being excited i mean that's not unique to tennessee baseball that's college baseball in general you'd watch any college baseball game you're going to see reactions like that uh but what we saw from tennessee this weekend was just genuine it was just it, it was organic and that's not something it's something that tony vitello has wanted to see from his team but it's not something that you can just make happen you can create an atmosphere where you allow that kind of stuff to happen which tony vitello's done but ultimately, it has to come from the players. It's just like any other team sport. The player-led leadership, when it comes from the players, it just it works so much better. It can't really come from the coaches. So hopefully, it's a sign that that's coming back. But, I mean, after the way the season's gone, I think you have to see it another weekend to truly be convinced. But if they do it against Mississippi State, yeah, I'm going to feel like, okay, they're they're on the right path here. They can make something special happen. They can get to Omaha and win it all. Like, we've always thought that they have the talent to do that, and now they seem to be putting it together. Show that you can be consistent with it. Keep that same energy going into May, and maybe something special happens. And and what a story that would be, you know, the turnaround. It, I think the legend of Tony Vitello would just grow even more yeah. because it's easy to – it's easy when your team's just rolling and hitting home runs to sit there in the dugout and and do the interviews and go on MLB Network and be the popular guy. You get hit with some adversity and you get asked some tough questions. And Vitello has been asked some tough questions. He's been asked about pitching decisions and lineup decisions. And and he's responded and he's made some different moves, you know, moving Dolander out of the Friday starter spot, making some different lineup decisions. He's made those tough choices where he's not just on autopilot saying they'll figure it out, they'll work their way out, kind of set in his way. So I've been impressed by his approach. Obviously, it's led to good things this weekend against Vanderbilt. Keep it going this next weekend. Yeah, the offense exploded in that series against Vandy, and, and that's awesome. I mean, what was it, 27, 31 runs against Vandy? But I think the thing that stood out to me the most was the defense. Finally, uh, Andrew Lindsay for the second week in a row was good, was really solid. And then Dolander comes in in the second game, and maybe his best game of the season, just really laid it down. And then specifically chase burns in those extra innings. Maybe he's found his sweet spot there coming in in relief. He dude was amazing. I want to say, was it not, not nine strikeouts. I saw the stat. Was it seven batters retired out of nine or something like that in that stretch? Like it was just, he came in and was absolutely phenomenal. He kept that thing glued down. And then uh, the actual defense itself outside of the, the pitching, um, finally, there weren't all these mistakes. There there was one in that third game kind of late in a spot that let Vandy, you know, Vandy scored five runs in that game. But, of course, you scored 10, so it didn't really matter. But um, there was maybe a couple of mistakes in that one. But overall, you finally cut down on the stupid fielding mistakes and all the base running was better. Just everything. It was like, they suddenly woke up and they're like, okay, we're going to be good now. This all right. Enough of the, of the sucking. We're just going to be good suddenly. And I, I mean, Fanny came in as the number four team in America. Like, don't think that this wasn't some crazy feat. I did. Oh yeah. They're good. Yeah. I, I, I thought Tennessee had the potential to win this series. In no scenario did I think they were going to sweep, much less sweep where one game they run rule Vandy, and in the next one they almost run rule Vandy again. 
in no way did I think that was going to happen. So uh, that it was just crazy. I, I don't I don't know exactly what this will lead to. I hope this is the turning point. You have a great opportunity. I think there is real opportunity to sweep Mississippi State. Mississippi State's the lower half of the league. Um, and and so and it's in it's in Knoxville. So plenty of potential there to maybe win another three SEC games, and that would just really build your resume there. And I think you have to go to Georgia, who actually just swept Arkansas, but overall isn't that great uh, on the season. So um, that'll be an interesting one, depending on what exactly happens. But all the potential in the world to get things back on track, get back into the tournament and and make a run. And yeah, I mean, you're right. This one... This would really be the masterpiece for Tony, though, because last season, unbelievable, but ended in total disappointment. This one, if you could turn things around and really create a special team, I mean, is that not almost more impressive? And so that, that oh, would yeah. be so cool. I hope that happens. As a baseball fan, I feel like these types of seasons are more magical than just the dominate all the way through type season. Because a lot of times those dominate all the way through type seasons like we saw last season doesn't always end with a championship. Sometimes it does, but most of the time, the best regular season team doesn't win in, in baseball in general. So these seasons where you start out, you're slumping, you're, you're not, expectations are kind of all over the place and nobody really knows what to expect. And maybe you think the season's lost and going the wrong direction and the switch flips and you don't want to run like that's, that, that's special. Like when that happens, it's a special thing and you catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, I'm not a, I'm obviously not an Atlanta Braves fan, but it's like what they did in 2021 when they kind of struggled for most of the season, made a couple of moves before the deadline. They end up making a run to win the World Series, which nobody really, probably outside of Atlanta, saw coming that season. That's a really special season for them. And those types of seasons are the ones I think are the most enjoyable. So if, if they can do that and finish this off, obviously the long way to go, long, long way to go got to prove that this is you're here to stay that it wasn't just a one weekend thing because it was Vanderbilt and that's an intense rivalry and everything that went on last season with Tim Corbin and and the bat checking and all that you know maybe that fired them up a little bit the players that were left over from that and the players that saw it happen but yeah I mean it has a lot of potential to to really to, to turn into one of the most special seasons in all of Tennessee sports if they can finish it off and you know, they're on the right path now, getting past Vanderbilt. You go sweep Mississippi State, you got a winning conference record. Who knows what happens from there? But y- you definitely have to win at least two out of three. Keep the momentum going. Ben asks, how does Vandy compare to Mississippi State? Well, um, I just looked. Mississippi State got swept by Vanderbilt earlier this season. So th- there you go. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it but his- it's still, I mean, they still have SEC talent. So it's not like you. Oh, they do. It's still going to be a tough series. It's, it's not going to be. You know, just a uh, easy. You don't win every game twelve to nothing. I mean, no. This is still the same Tennessee team that lost to Tennessee Tech not that long ago. So they're capable of having a really bad outing, and Mississippi State's capable of having a really good outing. So there's nothing, you know, nothing's assumed by any means this weekend. Yeah, but State. I mean that that sweep from Vanderbilt was in Starville. So. Uh, hopefully that means your chances are pretty decent against Mississippi State. Again, I would say this past weekend, I didn't think there was a chance for a sweep. This weekend, I do, and just go do it because I think, you know, the changes that Vitello have, has made, maybe they've created a little mojo, and just keep it going. All the pitching, keep it strong. The fielding, 
keep up the the no mistakes. Let's please, because there have been good pitching performances that have been ruined by the fielding or bad base mm-hmm. running or whatever it may be. Um, and and I mean the oh, the timely hitting that was another just um, tons of uh, two out runs in this one against Vandy and then tons of not, not stranding a bunch of guys. Cause that has just happened so much this season, so much stranding runners. Uh, and they finally just capitalized. And you, I mean, after the first inning on Sunday, you were up by what nine to one or whatever it was after the first inning. So, um, okay. I think that is going to be it. Anything else for the good folks at home? Zach? No, I mean, with, with baseball, it's all about that clubhouse vibes and chemistry. And once you get that, some of that fielding stuff and two-out RBI, some of that stuff just happens naturally because that's just baseball. It's, it's a weird sport where mindset is everything. And hopefully Tennessee's found it. Definitely seems like they did. Hopefully they keep it. I hope so. I, I've been watching uh, on Netflix Full Swing. You watch this? It's, no, uh, is, is that it's the, about the PGA Tour. Okay. I've, I've actually heard it. No, I actually heard about this recently. One of yeah. the parents on my my kid's travel baseball team was telling me, gave me a, quite a synopsis about this. It made it sound pretty interesting. It's it's great. It's a really well made show, but it they do obviously profiles of dudes on the PGA Tour, and it's so obvious. Like guys who are total head cases, they just you know they get in their own head and they're so negative and they beat themselves up and all these things, and they go out and they play super tight. And it, and it really showcases that because they have all these interviews, like the guy will go play around, they interview them and about their play and about how they're, they're trying to get back. And then they interview other guys like they're specifically, they, they follow Scotty Scheffler for a time. And he's just like, Lucy goosey. He's just like, I'm just happy to be here. I don't know. This is cool. And it feels like that. And, and he's, and Scheffler's, you know, right now, I think he's like number three in the world. Like he's just really chugging and on, and in the episode, he wins the masters. It's a whole thing. But it seems like in baseball, that kind of translates also like the teams that feel that magic that just they, they mm-hmm. clear out in between their ears when you can just find that clarity and you just go like, We're, let it let it all go. It, it felt like this this baseball team has just had so much weight on its shoulders that they just needed to shed and just that it was again, like between the ears, it just wasn't there this season. And hopefully now they can just go look. We're working from behind. We got in a hole. Now let's just go out and just let's go see what happens. That that's what I want to see happen with this baseball team because it just seems like that having that kind of attitude, that disposition, can work wonders for you. So oh, maybe absolutely. it it can tr- translate over. It's it, like baseball and golf are just both so mental. So maybe oh, yeah. it, it can help them uh, get out of that we'll slump. See. Let's go, beat state. Well, I guess you have they a midweek uh, Beller. Oh, Bellerman. 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 Yeah, but what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bellerman. Eh, that I'm not going to say anything. I'm not, I, I'm not saying it. Not after Tennessee Tech. That's true. Uh, I want to say, key. isn't Bellerman? That's in like Louisville. Is it? Yeah, Louisville, Kentucky. Yep. Mm. Eh, that should be a win. Hopefully, we're, should it's be. that easy. Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. Thank you so, so, so much. For tuning in for commenting we really appreciate it everybody again we're going to be at 7 p.m eastern time now on monday switching it up into prime time uh with our new schedule and so tune in there or tune in on the replay 
uh, just as long as you watch. That's that's all we want. And uh, so that really is it. Rate, review, subscribe, like buttons, notification bells, all the stuff. Subscribe, blah, blah, blah. You made it this far. You know what the deal is. Thanks again for watching, and we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later.